Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Spencer Brooding. I'm Will Johnson. I'm Jessica Knoll. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. Some of these teenage girls were victims of sex trafficking before the term sex trafficking was even popular or in, you know, modern culture. Back in those days, they called it sex slavery and forced prostitution. And we know for a fact that some of these girls were just kind of vanished and we don't know who they were. A warm breeze rustles the palm trees of San Diego's Balboa Park. Just down the street, Empire Strikes Back and The Shining headline at the movie theater. Skateboarding and roller skating have become such a nuisance that city officials just banned them in the park. The year is 1980. Dozens pass through the park, enjoying the June sunshine. And with all the hustle and bustle in the park, it's pretty easy to overlook two young sisters sitting on a bench. The girls plan to sleep in the park tonight. They're here without their family's permission, worried they'll be angry with them for leaving home, and they don't have any money. It's not clear if they actually plan to run away or just a night out, two teenagers testing boundaries. A man in his early 20s approaches. He asks why they're in the park alone, and then he invites them to come to a friend's hotel room and to stay the night. At 16 years old and with no place other than a park to sleep, Josefina Hernandez and her 14-year-old little sister agree to head over to the Plainsman Hotel just a few blocks away. The inn has, uh, his, is a historical landmark now in San Diego. It's got a plaque on it that says 1900 was the date, was the year that it was built. This is David Gottfriedson. He's an investigative producer with CBS News 8 in San Diego and has investigated this case. It was a former hospital, and I'm not exactly sure whether that means it was a medical hospital or a mental hospital. The hospital closes and is eventually sold. It reopens as a motel run by Rico Cruz. Back in 1980, a lot of the residents there were mental patients, and a lot of them were on uh, psychiatric drugs. A lot of them were on Thorazine. According to police reports, the night the teenage sisters arrive at the hotel, they're given a mattress on a floor in one of the rooms. The next day, the two sisters meet Rico. The manager, Rico Cruz, would purchase this Thorazine off of the people who were staying there, and he would use the Thorazine to drug uh, the girls that he held as sex slaves. He gives them alcohol, and after hanging out for most of the day, they argue with each other whether they should stay or leave. Josefina feels uncomfortable and wants to go home, but the last thing her little sister wants to do is face their parents. Drunk, 
scared and exhausted, Josefina's sister passes out on the couch. But when she wakes up, Josefina is gone and Rico is undressing the younger girl. She fights back, scratching and hitting, but Rico chokes her to the point of blacking out. He forces a Thorazine pill down her throat. It's an antipsychotic drug often referred to as a chemical-induced lobotomy, turning users into compliant zombies. Rico rapes her again and again as the 14-year-old goes in and out of consciousness and is force-fed Thorazine every few hours. And Josefina is helpless, locked in a room on the third floor. The third floor was never finished. Uh, you had to walk up a set of stairs to get up there, and it was essentially an empty room. Nancy Vaughn was an assistant district attorney in San Diego at the time. Uh, wood floors, wood walls, and in the room that Josefina was kept in, there was a mattress and a box spring. Filthy, with the box spring showing through. Just horribly filthy. And allegedly, she was handcuffed probably to the box springs because I never saw a bed frame. For days, possibly even weeks, the two sisters were repeatedly assaulted, often sold to other tenants for money. Then, Linda, a girl Rico kidnaps, is beaten, raped, and moved to an unknown location after she goes into labor with his child. But Linda went off to have her baby and was gone for three days and came back and she said, what happened on the third floor? And Rico said, you don't want to know. At 16 years old, Josefina is killed. Four months later, a 19-year-old woman is kidnapped and brought to the same hotel. So my mom was three weeks pregnant with me. She met a man while she was hitchhiking. He gave her his business card and he told her that he was a stockbroker. That's April Valenzuela. She's the daughter of Kim Kent, another one of Rico's victims. Kim gets a ride from Rico back to the hotel where she's imprisoned for four days. He um, choked her, he raped her, and he abused her severely. On day four of her captivity, Kim wakes up on the floor in Rico's apartment. Linda and Josefina's younger sister are passed out next to her. All of them have been force-fed Thorazine. Kim listens. She can't hear anyone else in the apartment. She quietly rises to her feet and slips out the front door, running as soon as her feet hit the pavement. She sprints several blocks before stopping to borrow a dime to call police from a payphone. Kim Kent actually called police and brought an officer back to retrieve her purse and her other belongings. At that point, um, she was alleging that there were other girls held there, but the police uh, just came back with her and retrieved her belongings and she didn't want to press charges and she was gone. Police knock on the door of the hotel, but Rico had moved the other kidnapped girls up to the top floor, out of sight. Despite her desperate call to police, no arrests are made. Several weeks after Kim escapes, Rico and his crew start to leave Josefina's sister unattended from time to time. A mix of drug-induced paranoia and Rico's continuous threats keep the teenage girl from running away. She believes Rico is waiting outside and will kill her the instant she tries to make a run for it. But when she learns about Kim's escape, hope 
and courage are reignited and she vows to herself to get out. On October 30th, 1980, she makes her decision. She doesn't think anyone else is at the hotel. Terrified that Rico has set a trap for her, she walks out the front door with extreme caution, certain she's going to be killed. Instead, she's free, and she calls her family and goes home without her older sister. You know, she talked to her parents. You know, Josephine is missing. Uh, she didn't want to talk about what happened to her. Eventually, the parents got details out of her and hired a private investigator. And in, the, in early 1981, the private investigator had put together enough information uh, to go to police and say, listen, I, I think Josefina Hernandez is dead, and uh, here's the information I have. And they ended up uh, arresting the manager and searching the basement for the remains of Josefina. Then, after almost two years of being missing, Josefina's body is finally recovered. Homicide detectives are expected to return to the Hawthorne Inn to search the basement for additional bodies. Last Friday, workmen discovered the mummified body of 17-year-old Josefina Hernandez, missing since June of 1980. Initially, they didn't find the remains, but as the manager was preparing to go to trial on sex trafficking charges, false imprisonment charges involving uh, three or four women, including the younger sister, uh, a man, the, the new manager of the inn contacted a police officer and said, I found some new cement in the basement. And as jury selection was taking place for Rico Cruz, not on the murder charge, but on the sex trafficking charges, they discovered the body of Josefina in the basement. Cruz's trial on charges that he falsely imprisoned, raped, and drugged several young women was to have begun last week, but it was delayed when workmen stumbled across a body buried in the basement of the Hawthorne Inn downtown. Cruz managed the boarding house when it was known as the Plainsman Hotel. It was at the hotel that the crimes allegedly occurred. She was um, wrapped in a blanket of some sort, I recall. She was also wrapped in a black plastic garbage bag and then uh, ready creep cement was poured on top of her and it was a like a three by six slab of cement and it was in the corner of the basement of the hotel that happens to be the corner of First and Hawthorne in San Diego. They stopped the trial, added a murder charge and uh, two years after Josephine's death he went to trial on murder and sex trafficking charges. Rico denies he killed anyone. He claims that the other men may have killed Josefina and buried her body. Who was closer to uh, Josephine's body on the floor at that point? George Powell was. Did you strike her at all? No, I didn't. Did you choke her in the closet? No, I didn't. Cruz says he helped the battered girl to a third floor room where she could stay until the swelling in her face went down. He said she never was kept a prisoner. When he takes the stand again Thursday, Cruz is expected to testify that George Powell subsequently assaulted Josefina, that she died of injuries caused by Powell, and that he helped Powell bury her in cement in the hotel basement. But former DA Nancy Vaughn isn't buying it. I have thought from the very beginning that there were other victims, the, uh, other murder victims that died at the hand of Rico Cruz. 
um, because I believe that there were a number of girls who were held there against their will and drugged on Thorazine, sold as prostitutes. These were girls from the age 13 to 17 who were mostly pregnant and held by Rico in the hotel. Yeah. And they're gone. We don't know where they are. We have no trace of them. In fact, she believes Rico not only killed Josefina, but that he may have killed multiple girls and buried them in that same basement. This was a 5,000 square foot basement of the former San Diego hospital. Um, and it was just loaded. It was like a swap meet that had died and no one had been in there for a generation. There's another location either directly next door or one house uh, north of that that was referred to by many people as the greenhouse and the lady that owned that house named Ruby she couldn't sleep at night she reported because she had seen Rico under the house I don't think anybody really believed her when Rico was uh, in jail waiting to go to trial he had spoken to a jailmate uh, and the jailmate had started asking him about uh, the girls uh, that he had held as sex slaves uh, in the inn. And he told this jail inmate that he had killed one girl, wrapped her body in plastic, and encased her in cement in the basement. And that turned out to be true. That was Josefina's body that was encased in cement. But he also at the same time told this jailmate that he had killed two other girls and uh, he had burned one and uh, that he had uh, buried another one in the basement. Those girls were never identified. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Today, after 13 weeks of deliberation, the jury took a vote and unanimously found 40-year-old Eugene Rico Cruz guilty of second-degree murder. The prosecution had hoped for a first-degree murder charge, but they were nonetheless pleased with today's verdict. Rico Cruz is convicted of second-degree murder, false imprisonment, and administering drugs to minors. He's sentenced to 21 years to life, and he's denied parole at his first hearing. But he's up for parole again in 2025. With so many questions unanswered, and girls missing, the San Diego Police Department has brought on a new cold case detective to dig back through the case files. Many want the basement of the hotel dug back up, but the new owners aren't cooperating at this time. It looks like it has gone through renovation. Both the inn and the house next door looks like they've been renovated. And there has, I understand, been renovation to the basement of the inn where cement has been poured in some areas, uh, rooms have been built down there. So it's not just an easy dirt floor to look around for bodies. But I, I did talk to the, the owner of the company uh, who owns this um, ground penetrating radar company who offered to 
scanned the basement. And he says they they can do scans of the basement and they get pretty good radar images. It basically looks like a, a lawnmower with a big radar device on the uh, on the top of it, and they run it across the ground, and it it gives uh, like radar images of voids or parts of the ground or the dirt where the dirt is not as compact as other areas or, or hard material like bones uh, will reflect back these images showing, uh, you know, irregularities in the ground. While some justice was gained, retired DA Vaughn looks back on this case and its unanswered questions with remorse. They didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phones. They didn't have a national database. They didn't know about DNA. It was a primitive time. Um, we just didn't have what would be available today. This would be a very different case today. There would be an all-out effort to locate these missing girls, to identify them by DNA or hair samples or something left in the hotel. The facts of this case, and I think it's important that we remember that there are some girls out there who've been essentially forgotten. So Jessica, like some of the cases we cover, there are often people uh, who are brought in to take a look at cases from long ago. In this instance, in this very you know, horrific story where there may be other victims, and in fact, victims who are, are, are buried you know, in the basement, if that's even a possibility, but they brought back a detective to look at this cold case. We've covered other cases like that where it may be someone who has been associated with the case or just an outsider who comes back in to take a look. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it's happening more and more as cold cases are kind of coming into the limelight and getting a lot more attention and focus where um, if police departments are able to, they'll bring in someone specifically to look at cold cases. Um, we, dis, we just did a story recently um, about a Georgia case where a county actually put some funding specifically into a cold case unit that was all retired detectives coming back to look through these cases with fresh eyes. All right. Well, we will, of course, have more cases like this down the road. And in fact, we're working on a new case. Jessica, you and I are on location this week in Georgia working on a, a new podcast and a case that got a lot of attention in a little town here in Georgia. Yeah, and and what's kind of um, interesting about this case is that it's a closed case, but it almost feels like it could be a cold case at the same time when you, when you hear what people have to say. And for our listeners, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know, but the difference between cold and closed is, is what? So a cold case, by definition, is when detectives have exhausted all their leads, they have no new tips coming in, and it has gone cold. Um, whereas a closed case has has a resolution. It has an ending. They have either um, closed it because they've arrested someone, um, which is usually the the case. But like I said, in, in this story that we're working on for next, uh, for January, that's really not the case, but it's closed. All right. So we will, of course, let our listeners know when that podcast, a brand new podcast comes out and launches in in January. Uh, In the meantime, for those of you who are listening to True Crime Chronicles every week and want to hear more from Vault Studios, if you have not already, Jessica, you worked extensively on Bardstown, which was uh, the number one true crime on Apple Podcasts for 
quite a few weeks uh, earlier this year. Yeah, Bardstown, Kentucky, where there are five unsolved um, cases. Four of them are um, murder cases. One is a missing persons case, uh, presumed dead. And, um, you know, we still are getting tips and theories and, and coming in from listeners. And so as, even though that podcast is uh, essentially over as far as production goes, we're still keeping an eye on those cases and any developments that come our way. And one of the first podcasts out of the gate, actually the first podcast the Vault Studios worked on is one called Bomber, which covers the intense manhunt for the Austin Bomber that was in uh, 2018, uh, in the springtime of 2018, and we covered that case on the one-year anniversary. It tells all about the investigation, how they eventually uh, tracked down and caught up with the, the bomber in Austin, Texas, a, a terrible series of bombings that took place and really terrified the city. So if you're looking for more from Vault Studios, check out Bomber, listen to Bardstown, and of course, we appreciate you uh, listening to True Crime Chronicles every week. Jessica, if people want to suggest cases to us, talk about the ones that we have covered and are covering, uh, where can they go? We have a special group on Facebook called Inside the Crime Vault, where we have more than 3,000 members discussing cases, um, discussing the cases that we're looking at, but also suggesting cases we should look into. So if you have an idea or you just want to discuss among others these cases, go check that out Inside the Crime Vault on Facebook and join our group. And please tell family, friends about True Crime Chronicles. We cover cases with the help of reporters and and investigators for news stations around the country. And and we take a look at, you know, the facts and the evidence. It's true crime without a lot of uh, banter. So uh, do, do tell other folks to listen, True Crime Chronicles. Thanks for listening this week. Thanks, Jessica. And we will be back next week with a new case and a new story. 